Merry Christmas. About a six on a scale of one to ten. Merry Christmas. That's good because that whether or not you got treats afterward depended on how well you did there. So that was a good thing. We're actually, this is our, our first of three uh, Christmas at Journey North Church services, and we're actually concluding a, a series that we've done. We've talked for three weeks about God being with us, because that's really the whole point of Christmas, is God with us. It's like the cornerstone of our Christian faith, that God became one of us, God with us. It, the technical term for it is incarnation. And I'll get to that in a moment. That's what we're going to talk about. But I'd like to read um, the passage we've been looking at for the last few weeks. But I'm going to read a little bit of the context. And so I'd like you to just follow along. The words will be up on the screen here. It's from Matthew chapter 1, starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Isaiah had spoken this 700 years before. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And I'd like us all to read that together. Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the point. God with us. The word is incarnation. And so I went to the source for all knowledge in order to give you the definition of incarnation. Wikipedia. (laughs) Here's what it says. You're laughing for the same reason I am, okay? Here's what it says. In Christian theology... The doctrine of the incarnation holds that Jesus, the pre-existent divine logos, and the second hypostasis of the Trinity, God the Son and and Son of the Father, taking on human body and human nature, was made flesh. Conceived in the womb of Mary, the Theotokos, The doctrine of the Incarnation then entails that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully human. His two natures joined in hypostatic union. Get it? No, no. Usually here I say get it, you say got it, but you don't got it because I'll tell you, I'll let you in on a little secret in case you were wondering. I spent six years studying theology and I understood about half of that, okay? So what I'm going to do is just as simple as I can. I'm just a simple person. I want to show you the doctrine of the incarnation from a different perspective. As simple as it can be, the incarnation just means God became flesh. In John 1, verses 1 and 14, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And verse 14 says, the word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. That's Emmanuel. That's God with us. Now, if you know me, you know that in the last couple years, I've become a grandpa. In our family, I'm not known as grandpa. I'm known as papa. For whatever reason, I really like that. I've been called a lot of things in my life. That's my favorite, is papa. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to explain to you as best I can the incarnation like a papa would explain it to the grandkids because that's kind of the level I'm at, okay? (laughs) And I I think it will just help us understand. So you have to really use your imagination, okay? You You need to be able to imagine that God the Father had a conversation with Jesus, his son, before that first Christmas, okay? Now, he didn't. I understand that. But if he did, what would it have been like? So I'm going to stay as creatively close to the Bible as I can, but we're just going to do it in a slightly different way, kind of from Papa's point of view. So I can imagine God saying, this is your mission, (laughs) should you decide to accept it, to Jesus. Let me tell you what this is going to cost you before you do this. I've selected a woman named Mary. She's going to be your mom, and you are really going to like her. This young girl from Nazareth, and she's so devoted to our will, ready to do whatever we ask. And she's not like all the other girls you know, in town, you know, playing truth or dare, spin the bottle. She's not doing stuff like that. She is pure in every way. She's a virgin. She's, she has decided to save herself for marriage and you're going to really like her. And then there's Joseph. That's your stepdad, obviously, because he's the earthly dad. God, the father is Jesus, real dad. And he says, Joseph's going to be your stepdad, your earthly dad. And he's not going to get anywhere near the airtime that Mary gets. There will be statues to Mary. Um, Joseph might make it in a nativity scene, (laughs) but not even always that, okay? And God says to him, just so we're clear, you are leaving the glory of heaven. You're going to spend nine months in Mary's womb. Before she pushes you out into that cold, dark world. And I I see Jesus saying, how about if you send a stork? (laughs) And God says, no, 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 no. We can't do that. You have to be born of a woman. Because that's what we've been talking about for, for centuries, he says. It's very important that it happens this way. Because you have to be born of a woman so that you can be all man. You're all human, completely human. But you don't have a human father. You don't have that sin nature passed down to you because your father is God. You are all God and all man. That's what you're going to be. And most people, because when they think of God, the king coming, they're going to expect you to be born in a palace. And you're just going to be born in a very common place. Actually, kind of in a cave and laid in a manger. And you're going to be next to farm animals when you're born. And I can see Jesus because I know him. I've walked with him for 40 years. 
And I can see him saying, I like it. I like that. Because then everyone will know that I came for them. Not for the the rich and powerful, but for the common and the ordinary. I'd like to illustrate that with a song that I think you all know. I'm going to have Mike and Kathy come up and lead us in um, a a slightly different version that you're going to love of Away in a Manger. And you're going to sing with them. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the bright sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. The cattle are lowing, the baby awakes. But little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I love thee, Lord Jesus, look down from the sky. And stay by my cradle till morning is nigh. I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and take us to heaven to live with you there. incredibly beautiful song. As I told you, I am a a papa. I am a grandpa now. My oldest has two. My middle daughter and her husband have a brand new one. If you haven't seen her, she's here tonight. Really good looking. It just runs in the family. (laughs) It skips. Um, Anyhow, and then my youngest and his wife were actually expecting, but but I've I've relearned some things about babies, and, and, and they, they're not quiet all night. So I don't know how accurate that is. But, um, but as God's telling Jesus, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be born into just this common, ordinary circumstance. But when you're born, it is going to get complicated. Even before you take your first steps. Because Satan... And all the demons in hell will be threatened by you. They are going to be trying to kill you from day one. The first time you'll actually notice it is Herod. Herod's going to be used by Satan. He's going to be threatened by that. And he's going to start killing baby boys under the age of two, hoping to hit you, Jesus. And your whole family is going to be in danger and you are going to have to run for your lives. 
I see Jesus getting his phone out and making a note to self. Secure, fast donkey. <laughs> We're going to have to use your imagination. Okay, work with me here. What God is going to tell him, though, is you are going to have the power. You're going to have our power. You know, if I'm telling my grandkids, it's going to be like Justice League power or Marvel superhero power or something. And, and as a kid... If you don't want to take a bath, you'll have the power to part the bath water and sit on a dry tub. <laughs> take the bath. If Joseph or Mary tells you to do it, do it. Joseph's going to tell you to eat broccoli, and you're going to realize, I got the power to turn broccoli into chocolate cake. Eat the broccoli. It blows my mind to think of this. That the Lord of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords, was told what to eat, when to eat, take a bath, you're going to bed. That, that just, it just blows my mind. And, and, and God would tell him, you're going to be in school, you know, you'll probably have perfect attendance, you'll probably get straight A's, you're probably not going to talk too much in school, and the kids are going to hate you. They're going to be very jealous of you. Now, I could explain to you why. But a friend of mine, not really, but close, we've actually listened to before, has a really good explanation of this. So I want you to watch up on, a, on the video screen and, and listen very carefully as Michael Jr. talks about this. I like reading the Bible. I was reading the Bible. Found out, uh, found out Jesus had a little brother. Anybody know his name? James. When I read that, I was like, Phew. How much pressure was that? <laughs> Jesus, your big brother? How many times do you have to hear, why come you can't be more like Jesus, James? Because <laughs> you know, everybody probably thought that James could do the same thing Jesus could do, but he couldn't. He was just James. He wasn't James Christ. <laughs> Remember the wedding banquet? Jesus turned water into wine. Everybody was amazed, but they don't tell you about the next banquet. Jesus left early. They started running out of wine. Everybody looked at James. It's like, man, last time this happened, your brother made some wine, dude. You're just going to stand there with your sandals on? You're not going to... Can you make some Kool-Aid or something, man? You're not going to do anything? And you know James had problems just like any other kid had problems. He tried to follow his big brother around. So everywhere Jesus went, James followed him. That's what little brothers do. So if Jesus went there, so did James. I bet one time, James almost drowned. <laughs> oh, you just got that joke just now, didn't you? <laughs> Jesus walked on water and then James tried to make this one. I'm sure James had problems. He would go to his parents with his problems. And his parents, especially his, his mom, was trying to throw him a bone once in a while. They'd pray over their food. They're like, Lord, we just thank you for this food. In James' name.
James had problems. He would go to his parents with his problems, and you know what they would say? He'd be like, well, what would Jesus do, you know? <laughs> then they gave him a bracelet. They gave him a bracelet, and um, <laughs> then he started selling those bracelets. You know? <laughs> Made some money selling bracelets. What would be cool is a what would James do bracelet, right? Same initials, different meaning. <laughs> Completely different meaning. You're driving down the street, you get cut off in traffic. You fuss them out, your pastor gonna be like, yo, you gotta what would Jesus do bracelet on? You're like, uh-uh, that's what would James do. <laughs> I'm driving an imaginary car for a long time, isn't it? <laughs> also found out when Jesus was 12 years old, Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. They lost Jesus. And you know the first thing they had to do was pray. I wonder what that prayer must have sounded like. Joseph probably did the prayer. He was like, oh, God. <laughs> Dear God, um, oh, forgiving God. Um, you remember that Messiah you gave us? <laughs> you got another one somewhere, man? We don't... That was the only we got us? Okay, we're going to find him. We're going to find him. I love Michael Jr. <laughs> but imagine what it would have been like growing up as Jesus. And God's talking to him about that. And he says, so as you grow, as a job, you're going to work with wood. You can be a carpenter. You're never going to make a lot, but you're going to find satisfaction in serving and helping people. And you're going to be good at it, but they won't respect you. Especially people in your hometown. They will have no idea that the very wood that you use to make the tables would be the wood that they use to make your cross. Your first miracle won't be parting the bathtub water. It will be turning water into wine at a wedding. And, and in my warped imagination, I picture God saying, and Christians will debate for years if it was non-alcoholic wine or not. <laughs> I went to a Baptist school, and I earned the right to use that joke. He tells Jesus, but you're going to do amazing things in your short three-and-a-half-year ministry. You're going to heal blind eyes. You're going to open deaf ears. You are going to raise people from the dead. And they're still going to hate you. They're going to call you a hypocrite, a drunk, a lunatic. They're going to call you dangerous. They're even, God says, they're going to call you my enemy. Because you've done good things. Jesus, you just show them our love. Touch the lepers. Befriend the prostitutes. Love all those that religion rejects. And the more you love, the more they will hate. But just keep loving. 
Because we have to show them that love isn't what we do. Love is what we are. And he tells Jesus when the devil attacks, and he will, fight back with the word of God. So when he tells you to, to turn stones into bread, what are you going to tell him? Jesus thinks, he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. And when he tests you and tells you to jump off the mountain because the angels will catch you and carry you down because it says you won't hurt your foot on a stone, what are you going to tell him? And Jesus says, I'm going to tell him, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And God says, when he tempts you with riches, and when he tempts you with what is really a shortcut to the cross, to have all the kingdoms of the earth bow at your feet, and all you have to do is worship him, what are you going to tell him? And Jesus says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. God's like, yeah. And God tells him, you're going to have really... Some close, good friends. Your disciples. You're going to love them. You're going to spend three years, three and a half years with them. Um, Like Peter, for instance. You and Peter are going to get along great. You're going to love Peter. But in the end, at the end of your ministry, like this little girl is going to approach Peter and he's going to deny you. And then a guard is going to come up and say something and he's going to deny you again. And a servant's going to say something and he's going to deny you again. And three times he's going to deny you. And then there's Judas. You showed nothing but love for Judas. You're going to equip him. You're going to try to train him. And you're going to sit at the last meal with him. And you're going to dip the bread with him. And you're going to demonstrate your love for him. And he's going to go out. And within a very short time after that, he's going to betray you with a kiss. And that kiss is going to bring the guards in. And it's going to start that whole process of the cross. And that's something we got to talk about, Jesus. Because before you go to the cross, at that point, you're going to understand what's coming. You're going to understand what is coming. You're going to understand why it's coming. And you're going to be on your knees pleading. And you're going to say, is this the only way? And the answer is going to be yes. This is the only way. You're going to be in such pain, Jesus, that in that garden, you're going to sweat drops of blood. And he says, Jesus, look at me. The cross is worse than you can ever imagine. In fact, they're going to invent a new word for the pain that you're going to suffer on the cross. And that word is excruciating. That word literally means out of the cross. It will be excruciating. They're going to mock you and hit you and spit at you and make fun of you before they beat you. With 39 lashes that rip your skin open, half exposing your insides and your organs. Until they take you and lay you down on that splintered wooden cross and they stretch your right arm out on it and they take that spike and they nail it into your arm and you're going to think that there is no more pain possible than that until they take your other arm and stretch it out and nail that one 
And just when you think that's all that you could possibly take, they're going to drive a nail through your feet into the cross before they lift it up and let it fall down into the hole and have every part of your body hurting more than you could ever imagine. And you're going to look down at the people you love. You're even going to tell them, I forgive you. And you're going to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Those people will spit at you. They will curse at you. And you'll want to call legions of angels to come down and take you off that cross, but you can't. But remember, Jesus, I'll always be with you until you become sin. As the God-man, you will be the perfect sacrifice for sin because the wages of sin is death. And you are the perfect one to pay for that because as God, you don't deserve death. But as man, you could die. And you're going to take that punishment and on the cross at that moment, you are going to hurt more than you could ever imagine as you cry out, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? And there will be nobody on this planet that can understand that pain like you do. Because we've had perfect communion since before eternity began. And for that brief time, I'm turning my back on you because you, became, you will become sin. You will want to get off the cross you will want to get down and say, this is enough. But stay on the cross. Stay on it for the ones putting you to death, for the ones cursing you, for the ones spitting at you. And when you die, they're going to put you in a tomb. Three days later, those, those friends of yours, those women that you traveled with, are going to come by the tomb. The stone won't be there. And neither will you. This is your mission. And I can hear the silence in heaven. And in that moment of silence, the Holy Spirit says, what about me? And Jesus says, whoa, what was that? I didn't see you. <laughs> Spirit, Holy Spirit, get it? The Holy Spirit says, I I'm always left out of this. You know, it's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. What about me? When do I get to go? And God says, well, Jesus, you can tell them about the Spirit. And he does. In John 14, starting in verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him. It's not an it, it's a him. The Holy Spirit, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. For he lives with you now, but he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, Jesus said. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. And he gets to tell them that even though he's going to die, be buried, raise again, he's going to ascend to heaven and say, I'll be back. 
But until then, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. See, I always used to think I would much rather have Jesus walking next to me. But the truth is, it's, Jesus said, it's way better if I go. Because you don't now have Jesus walking beside you. You have him here forever. And so Jesus says, well, before I leave and ascend back to heaven, can I remind them of that? Because that's kind of a big deal. And God says, of course you can do that because that's, you're reminding them of what is really the most important thing. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we know it as, as the Great Commission. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, Jesus says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. That's what Emmanuel means. God with us. He said he would be with us always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It's not about some religious thing out here. It's not about a church. It's about the God of the universe being with you. And God says, Jesus... You heard some of it. Are you sure you're up for this? Why do you want to do it? And Jesus says, because we love them. They need us. Because we need to show them who we are. We are love. God says, what's your mission? Jesus is very clear on that, to seek and to save the lost. I'm going to go and I'm going to bring them life and life to the fullest. And God says, who are you going for? And Jesus said, I'm not going for the righteous. I'm going for the sinners. I'm not going for the healthy. I'm going for the sick. And one more time, why are you going, Jesus? Because they're like lost sheep and they need a shepherd. And I am the good shepherd. And it says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I have to show them your love. We can't shout our love from heaven. We have to show it to them on earth. So that's kind of what might have went down before that holy night so long ago. Because before Jesus became that little baby, before God became a man, he was fully aware of what he was coming to do, who he was coming for and why. And that's why that event is still changing lives 2,000 years later. I'd like us to sing another song um, together with Josh. Um, the praise team is going to come up and lead us in this song. It's one of my favorites. I love it.
was born. It's very easy to lose 
in all of the hurry and hustle and bustle and even in the good things, it's very easy to lose what that really meant for, for God to become one of us, to be with us. In Matthew 1, we read this, 21, and she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The God-man, fully God and fully man. God is with us. We've talked in the last few weeks about the fact that God is with us in the valleys. We enjoy him on the mountaintops, but we know him intimately in the valleys. And that God is with us in the wilderness. And in that time of need, that's when your deepest need becomes a gift, when it drives you to depend on him and recognize he is there with you in the wilderness. And God is with us in the storms. And never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. The God-man, the one who came for us. You see, no one person can satisfy the, the complex longings of the human heart like the God-man can. Jesus. So, what are you facing in this, in this crowd here tonight, I imagine it's all over the map. The hurts, the pain that you brought in with you, maybe that the people in your life know about, maybe they don't. What are you facing right now that you need Jesus to enter into as Emmanuel? To be with you in, right now, in the thing that you're going through. If you're blessed and things are going good, he is with you in your rejoicing. If you are alone, he is with you as your companion. If you are sick, he is with you as your healer. If you're lost, he's with you as your guide. If you're hurting, he's with you as your comforter. If you're weak, he's with you as your strength. If you're under attack, He's with you as your defender. If you are afraid, he's with you as your peace. And if you are caught in the grip of sin, he is with you as your savior. Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And Jesus was born in a manger because there was no room for him. Bethlehem had the Savior of the world right there, and they missed it. The biggest event in the history of the universe, and they missed it. They missed him because they didn't have room. Do you have room for him tonight? He came for you. He came to be with us. He came to be with you.
If you've never really understood the incarnation before, that he came to be with us, he came to show us his love because you can't shout it from heaven. You have to come and show it on earth. I would like to ask, is, is there anybody here tonight that you would say, I need him? I need his presence. I tell you, my hand's the first one up because I need him. I need his presence. Anybody else here would say, yeah, I need his presence in my life. What I'm going through, I need his presence. Let me just pray quickly for you. Father, you know every heart. You know the story behind every hand that went up. You know what's going on in those lives, and you care more than we could ever imagine. You came here to be one of us so that you could show us your love right here with us. To be with us in, in whatever it is we're going through. And my prayer, Father, is that every single person here that would say, I need you, I need your presence, that you would show up for them in, in such a way that it would be unmistakable. We thank you, Father, for that and, and for, for what you um, accomplished by becoming one of us 2,000 years ago. We love you. Now, in a crowd this size, I have a feeling that there might be somebody here who you say, I got the church thing, don't much like church, don't much like religion. And I want to say, then you've come to the right place. Because we don't much like religion here either. What we do like is what Jesus can do. And what he can do in a life. And maybe, maybe you realized for the first time that what he came for was not just so that there could be a Christmas season and we could give presents to each other and we could sing fun songs and stuff, but he came because we needed him so desperately. And maybe you realized for the first time that he came because you needed him so desperately. So that you wouldn't have to go through it alone. And maybe for the first time you're ready to say, I want to believe. I want to receive him. The Bible says that um, you call the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. You believe that what Jesus said was true, that he came for you, he lived for you, he died for you. He rose again for you. And by believing that, say, Jesus, I need that, I believe that. John 3 says you believe it and you receive it. You say, Jesus, I don't understand it completely, but I, I accept that. I'd like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here... And you have never turned to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you don't understand it all, but you want to turn to him tonight. Just real quick, I'd like you to lift your hand up and put it back down so that I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. What I'd like you to do is, is with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd like everybody to pray aloud so that nobody prays alone. Everybody just repeat after me. Father in heaven. Thank you for sending Jesus. We needed a Savior. Tonight I realize that my sin has separated me from you. And as much as I understand of me, I give to as much as I understand of you. I turn my life over to you. 
and receive you as my Savior. Thank you for coming into my life. I know you will never leave me or forsake me. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. What we're going to do is the highlight for many people. We're going to have a, a, we're going to join together and we're going to sing Silent Night by Candlelight. So let me explain how this is going to happen. Actually, um, we can go ahead and start passing the, those out as I explain. I don't know what they do. Here's, here's what we're going to do. You're going to get two things. You're going to get a candle. Involves fire. Okay, I'm just telling you ahead of time. If you have a young one that should not have a candle that involves fire, they have little ones that are LEDs, okay? You're also going to get one of these bases, and the candle goes in the base like this. And then I know that some of you are going to get antsy, and you're going to pull your lighter out and light it. Don't. We're going to wait till we all have one, and I'm going to start it up here. And then I'm going to come down there and I'm going to start lighting and we're going to spread it that way. Because really, that's how it started 2,000 years ago. It started with one. And it spread. And you're going to look around this room and you're going to see the candlelight and realize that your little light made a difference when it gets added with all the other ones. And it was all because of that night 2,000 years ago when, when God became one of us. So we're going to pass those out. When enough of them are passed out, I'm going to light mine, and we're going to start going back. Um, and then at some point, you're going to see the words. Mike's going to start singing. And don't worry, it'll get a little dark. But we have the light.
Before we blow them out, I'm going to actually give you instructions by candlelight. <laughs> We're going to blow them out in a moment. And then there's some time for just hanging out, fellowship, meet somebody new. Down in the foyer, there's snacks and, and stuff to drink. And, and you can grab it and stay down there. You can grab it and come back up here. There might be a little bit of a line, but it'll move pretty quick. Just hang out for a little bit and enjoy um, something we don't always get to do during the Christmas season, and that's watch. <sighs> to just relax and spend a few moments with each other. So I'm going to pray, and then when I'm done praying and say amen, put your hand here because you don't want to light the person in front of you on fire, and then blow your candle out. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much that you loved us so much that you became one of us to live and die for us as the God-man, to pay the price for our sin so that by believing and receiving you, accepting what you did for us, inviting you into our heart and life, that we could become children of God. Father, for, for anyone here tonight, who became a child of yours for the first time, we know that all of heaven is rejoicing and we rejoice with them, Father. Thank you for what you did. Thank you for each person that's here. Thank you for the fact that you promised you would never leave us or forsake us. We love you. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Are you ready? Merry Christmas. <laughs>